0: Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business life and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible. With your host, Amy Montgomery.
1: Welcome to Thrive Radio. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Lori Poinsett. She is a consultant helping Fortune 500 business leaders achieve strategic goals and organizational change management. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you,
0: Amy. It's a real pleasure to be your guest today.
1: Yeah. So how did you become a consultant in leadership and change management?
0: I believe that my own personal path started with my family raising me the way that they did. When I was young, my family always tried to discourage me from finding the typical teenage outlets for frustration by focusing on if you don't like your situation, if you don't like your surroundings or or something's going on that you don't like, focus on changing it, finding a way to improve that situation so you're not in a position of not liking it anymore. And we always believed that that started with being truly honest with yourself. You know, how, how are you really feeling about it and why? And so I became comfortable with change at a much earlier age, I believe, than perhaps other people had experienced as my career started and progressed, I realized that I was a lot more comfortable with change than other people were. I think because I had been raised with promoting the idea of changing that I expected or thought perhaps other people would also be comfortable with change. Lo and behold, they weren't. And since I like to help people and I'm comfortable with change, it just sort of maturated throughout the course of my career. We all have experiences that create fear for us, right? Fear's one of those things that in our professional world trickles over into our personal world. And when you have something that is in that professional space that is also impacting your personal world, it kind of consumes your whole world, right? And it can have a tremendous impact on how someone's feeling in everyday things and will automatically make them resistant to anything that is founded or driving that fear and that negative dissonance in their world. So if you can help someone, overcome that frustration or that fear and help them understand what the benefits could be to them and how they can support that change, you wind up usually having a, a really great win-win success for
1: them. In walking through that journey, what are you grateful for?
0: It's that's an interesting question. Uh, I, I would honestly have to say that I'm really grateful for my family raising me that way and, and having me become open to change, but I would also have to say that I've had a lot of mentors along the way, right? So I went to graduate school at St. Joseph's University for organizational development leadership. And there, the teachers really challenge you to think about yourself differently and dig deeper into that level of authenticity with yourself and being able to convey information to other people. And so I would honestly say that I'm I'm truly blessed to appreciate all of my family, but also my mentors that helped me become who I am.
1: What is the primary focus right now in change management?
0: Pre-COVID change management was really focused on helping institutions and organizations adopt change. And that change would look a lot like if a company wanted to upgrade a production line or if a company wanted to improve process, or if a company wanted to adopt a new system they would come in and help the employees learn that new system, convey the messages that they needed to hear to be able to adopt that new system or that new tool, or to deploy the new product. I think today, COVID really reshaped how we do business. It really shaped how virtually everyone relates to their client, how they actually have contact with their client. And I think that has really reshaped what our society has to do in terms of change management, right? Change management culture today really has to focus a lot more on the psychological safety of the employees and acceptance, right? So we're dealing with a lot more awareness as a culture about different personalities and nationalities and races and you have to be part of the solution in change management, which ultimately means helping staff to accept changes in their world, accept changes to their lifestyle, accept changes to the way they're doing work and the fact that it may be a permanent change as opposed to a short-term temporary change until something passes. It's also about helping American employees really recognize that we're not quite the same hyper-driven society that we once were. After COVID, we all, or during COVID, we all took this step back and really retracted in the number of things we were doing, the number of people we were having contact with. And so we're doing less, going fewer places, having contact with fewer people, and change management has to be able to help people become okay with who we're becoming in order to support us to be able to handle what we're doing for our companies and still feel as though we're productive as a human, but also productive for our company. The other part of that is really helping educate leaders, not just themselves as the individual contributor, but also being the leader to recognize the signs of someone who's maybe having mental health crisis and really not verbalizing it well, because the changes that our world have brought about have had tremendous impact on people's mental health and emotional health. And so change management's taken into a whole different level now where you have to think about someone's psychological safety and making it okay for them to be safe, making it okay for them to say, I'm not okay and I need some additional support. What do I need to do? What can I do to help you, right? It's a different messaging. It's not just about, hey, here's a new process. It's the new shiny thing and you're going to adopt it, right?
1: With more people working remote with different organizations, how can they improve communication with their employees?
0: That's a great question too. First and foremost, communication is really about connection. And most of us... Use are used to or a common face-to-face, right? Face-to-face communication, that in-person communication. That's our ideal form. That isn't happening as much today, right? We're in these really tiny pods face-to-face and everyone else is virtual by text or cell phone or email, or you're not having the human context that be used to. So I think Companies can improve communication, especially around the more sensitive messages, the more powerful messages, the more impactful messages, by providing a small video clip. It doesn't have to be a 20 minute podcast, but it it could be a two minute video where someone can look you in the eye and understand the message and the tone and the feeling behind the message that you're conveying. They can still have some sense or experience of the leadership providing those messages, if they don't have confidence in the message and the person delivering the message, it's going to be a lot easier to dismiss and not connect to the point of the message.
1: What are some of the indicators that change management is needed in an organization?
0: There used to be some serious tells where your change management was needed if you're delivering a new tool, you're delivering a new product, you're upgrading a system, right? Today, it's a lot more about what's happening with the people, right? Are they retooling? Are they realigning? Are they reorganizing? Do you have a lot of structure change because you've had so much turnover? Did you just buy a new company? Do you have to really manage the messaging around what's happening to the employees? What's happening to their world? What do these changes mean to them, to their jobs, to their roles and to their future?
1: When it comes to communicating change, what are the top mistakes that are made and what are some better approaches that we can take?
0: Some of the top message mistakes that people are making are either taking too long to get the message out because they want it to be perfect, right? Perhaps delivering a message about an acquisition after a news broadcast has already provided that message to your employees. Perhaps delivering a short, brief email instead of making something personal, having that video, having some form of communication that's a little bit more personal and meaningful, having a phone call from their manager about, hey, we're getting an acquisition, but this is what it means to us. Trying to do full sweeping and short, quick blasts of information that don't consider the connectivity to that person and how that person receives the communication is usually a really large miss for companies. What are some of the things that they can do to correct that? They can convey information in ways that are meaningful to their employees. So think buyer trimodal, right? So if you are not able to be in person, do communicate with a video. Do also provide the written message. Make sure you're ahead of the message. Make sure you're delivering the message before another source does. Make sure you're in control of the message as much as you obviously can be. And more importantly, make sure if they're delivering a large and meaningful message or change to their own employees, that there is a direct line of contact from their immediate leaders with reassurance and where access to tools if they get concerned or have questions, right? The worst case scenario that you can do for your employees is to tell them a change is coming but not tell them what that means for them, not tell them what they can do to learn what it means for them and not give them reassurance that they're going to be fine or give them reassurance that, hey, this does mean change and people will not all keep their jobs and we don't know what that looks like but we want you to be here and we're going to partner with you to stay here. Right. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I definitely like that because a lot of the the larger organizations, they use the same templates. And so if you've, I think even way, way back when I was in my twenties, after I had worked for a couple of large organizations and all it took was one or two of them. And then I was like, oh, okay. So I know exactly when they say X, Y, and Z, what it really means. Right. And so it's like that authenticity you're talking about that if they're using a template, they're not being authentic. And then the other thing was, is they had like lists of people that were going to get laid off that were being passed around. Uh And I ended up getting access to some of the lists Uh and everyone was talking about the list. I mean, how horrific would it be for you to find out you're on a list and it not come from your boss?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. It's amazing
0: how many companies go through some sort of scenario where they have to let people go, whether it's COVID or an acquisition or the budget changes and the product isn't doing well or whatever the case may be. And they have to make changes to their staffing model. And the first thing they do is decide who they're getting rid of. Then they convey it. In the meantime, people have those personal connections and they're starting to share information and it does spread. Yeah. Sometimes if you say, hey, people are going to have to go, you might have volunteers and it may solve half of your problem.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. 100%. Yeah. So how can businesses leverage automation and how have you seen that uh, to be helpful?
0: Automation is best leveraged when you have really time consuming and simple tasks that can minimize the amount of time that your people need to spend repeatedly doing the exact same type of work over and over. Data entry, absorption of process and paperwork, chasing down approvals, workflows, are all just some simple examples. But whenever you have someone who is executing a function and it takes them a really long amount of time, and there's other work piling up because this task is taking them a long amount of time and it's a repeatable task that they have to do over and over and over, that's usually a good indicator that you should be thinking about in automation.
1: Can you share some of your client success stories with us?
0: Absolutely. One of the fun ones, one of my early career successes was I was working on, and this is just relevant example. I was working on report that was delivered as a result of the SOX compliance changes. And when SOX compliance changes came about, the report went from a manual report of roughly two hours a month to literally over 45 hours a month. And it was a monthly repeatable report. But that was literally on top of forty hours worth of monthly, you know, weekly work. So if I were doing this 40 hour report on top of my standard shift, it wound up being overtime and the leadership had to pay for it. And we weren't even billing our client for it. So that became a point of contention internally between our company and our client. And so we ultimately came to the agreement that we would automate this report. And it was not a simple report to automate there were 11 different vendors involved external vendors that were involved and so i had to collaborate with every single one of them independently and identify what they would need to do in order to support this becoming automated and then i had to sit there and and go back and forth negotiating yes it's right no it's not right and get through the testing process and ultimately we were able to deliver this report And it literally went from 45-ish hours per month to one and a half hours and no cost again to the client. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) Exactly, and it, it starts off so simple, but then something modifies and that work becomes expansive. And then it becomes a point of contention. Someone has to come in on a Saturday to execute their report. And if it's not me, it's someone else. And then the leadership is frustrated that they're paying overtime. The client's frustrated that it's taking so long. And the vendors are getting questions about the reports. This could all go away if you automate it.
1: What do you think has been your truth that's gotten you this far in your journey? Oh, I
0: love learning new things. I'm a curious individual. I love to learn new things and I love helping people. So I think when you combine all three of those, I love to go and learn what's happening in a client space. I like helping them fix it. I like helping them learn about it. I enjoy seeing them improve. And I really enjoy the satisfaction of knowing that someone else's life is now better after I've left.
1: Yeah, I love that. If you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be?
0: I think I I would have to say, document your successes, the small increments of success. So if I go back to the example of the report, there was one vendor in particular who was adamant. I mean, truly adamant about not modifying anything and not delivering the report in the format that was required. And it took me probably six or seven meetings to get through to them why the client needed this and literally five minutes in order to get them to agree to it. And I felt like if I could have just captured what I was successful, then (laughs) I could bottle it and repeat it in the future. And I think that just remembering the things that you do successfully in small increments gives you tools you can use in your future that sometimes over time you'll forget. Someone once called it a vision log or a success log. I think that is a great idea. I think if you can define those small wins, those small successes, you have a much better story to tell versus here's my result. How did you get there? Well, let me think about that. (laughs) It's not as effective as, well, I did this and I did this and I leveraged this. And so if you're able to just document all the small incremental successes, I think it will just deliver so much more value for you and your message and your brand as you go along.
1: So Laurie, if there are people that are listening that would love to get a hold of you to work with you, what's the best way to contact you?
0: I can be reached on LinkedIn at LinkedIn.com, Lori Poinset. You can also reach me at Lpoinset at SEI.com.
1: Perfect. And I'll put all those links down below. Thank you so much, Lori, for coming on and sharing your expertise today. Absolutely
0: my pleasure. Amy, thank you so much for having me.
1: Perfect. And if you're listening and you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com. Thank you, everyone, and have week.